I think it's always that the kind of thing that you're not expecting, right? You think about starting a company, you always think about something that is bothering you, or in a nutshell, you would like to improve. I was having such a hard time to get my data processed, or sometimes even having access to the data. So for you to have an idea, it took me like six months just to get access to the data because of privacy, regulation, security concerns. And as yourself as a data scientist, you only work to, you only need or want to work with the data. That's the only, your only objective. My name is Fabiana Clement and I'm Chief Data Officer at YData. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and tested it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Fabiana Clement is accelerating AI with high quality data by utilizing synthetic generation. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy managed file transfer tools lack proper security, putting sensitive data at risk. With KiteWorks MFT, companies can send automated or ad hoc files in a fully integrated, highly secure manner. The solution is FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense and has been so since 2017. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. This episode is sponsored by ClearQuery. ClearQuery is the analytics for humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. With Ask ClearQuery, you can find valuable insights into your data using plain English. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify your data analytics with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash codestory. Fabiana Clement was born and raised in Portugal and lived in Lisbon until two years ago when she moved to Seattle. She's passionate about the arts, having a creative mind. She finds great joy in relaxation and watercolor painting, while also spending time with her family over fantastic Portuguese dinners. Outside of this, she enjoys traveling, learning about other cultures and cuisines across the world. As a data scientist, Fabiana realized that there were several pain points that led to her not being fulfilled in her role. After meeting her now co-founder, who felt the same pains, they decided to set out and solve the problem by building a developer platform for data science. This is the creation story of Why Data. Why Data is a company that is focused on improve AI performance through data qualities. We offer a product, in this case, a data development platform for data scientists, where they can get to know the quality of the data that they have, streamline the data preparation with specific methods that can help them increase the the value of their data, and afterwards build AI models that are better in performance due to the data curations. 
our product is designed for data scientists in order to ease their lives in terms of the whole process around the data preparation all prior to building the AI model itself. How have I landed building a developer tool for data scientists? That is the fun part of the story, let's say. I think it's always that the kind of thing that you're not expecting, right? You think about starting a company, you always think about something that is bothering you, or in a nutshell, you would like to improve. At, at that point, I was a data scientist. I, I've been working for startups, but also for big enterprises. I was having such a hard time to get my data processed, or sometimes even having access to the data. So for you to have an idea, it took me like six months just to get access to the data because of privacy, regulation, security concerns. And as yourself as a data scientist, you only work to, you only need or want to work with the data. That's the only, your only objective. If you cannot do that, or you can't do that properly, you don't feel fulfilled. And that was what happened to me. So I, I, I understood a lot of things that could be improved in the process of doing data science itself. And those things could be definitely eased with the right development tools. And that's how I started YData, along with my co-founder. So we both had or experienced these same frustrations and challenges. So we decided why not to help other data scientists that just like us have all these struggles. It has been a journey since then, for sure. Let's talk about the MVP. So that first version of Y Data that you created, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? The first MVP took us th around three months, I would say, and we focused in a specific pain from the data preparation side. In this case, the, the most painful one, which was the access to the data. So as a data scientist, you need to work on a certain project, but you have no visibility on what the data holds. So how can we solve that? That was our focus. We couldn't deliver a solution that would fix everything, but definitely we could deliver something that would ease this side. We started researching about what are the tools, possibilities, methodologies that could be used to sort this. And in that process, we did find what today many may call as generative AI, but at that time it was not the thing to call it generative AI. It was just a model that could be used to generate data that would have the same data value as the original data that would not have the issues around privacy. In a nutshell, we would create a synthetic data set that we could provide to data scientists, for example, that would hold the same value as the original data, minus the issues of re-identification of, for example, a person or a customer, and so on and so forth. So our first MVP was built around this concept of generating synthetic data, and in a nutshell, was a very simple interface. So we used a lot of open source to, to have it delivered. I do recall that the UI was not that great because neither of us had that experience and by that time Streamlit was not yet a thing. The backend we used a lot of Scikit-learn, PyTorch to build the model and we also developed the connectors using Dusk in this case to make sure that we could consume data from a source, have it synthesized, and then offload synthetic data to a 
a destination source. And that was the process was as, as simple as this and not very customizable, to be honest. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy managed file transfer tools are dated and lack the security that today's remote workforce demands. Companies that continue relying on outdated technology put their sensitive data at risk. And that's where KiteWorks comes in. KiteWorks MFT is absolutely the most secure MFT on the market today. It has been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. Through FedRAMP, KiteWorks level of security compliance provides a fast route to CMMC compliance, saving customers time, effort, and money. KiteWorks MFT makes it easy for users to send automated or ad hoc files via fully integrated shared folders and email. Administrators can manage policies in a unified console and create custom integrations using their API. Did we mention it's secure? The level of security with KiteWorks solution is rare to find. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's K-I-T-E-W-O-R-K-S dot com. This episode is sponsored by CashFly. The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where CashFly comes in. CashFly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, CashFly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only CashFly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at CashFly.com slash CodeStory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash CodeStory. So then you've got that MVP, it's working, you're doing the things that you set out to do in the beginning, and you're getting a little bit of traction. How have you progressed the product from there? And how have you matured it? And I think what I'm curious about is how you go about building your roadmap. And, you know, what do you, what criteria do you follow to decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Y data? This is my first company, and no one told me that all things evolved so it was definitely an experience and I do recall that the first elements in terms of the roadmap came up from customer conversations and I do recall that specifically on the synthetic data generation side we understood that in order for people to use this technology they would need to have some kind of trust on it and that trust would come from validation meaning a quality report People would ask us literally, how good is the quality of your synthetic data? So this is a this was a question that kind of popped up in every conversation and we decided we have to answer this question. We and our product needs to answer it very easily and in a way that users can interpret. So that was the first time we have decided, okay, this is the roadmap. 
Others, of course, came from the, the, the strategy or vision. So we knew we wanted to be a data quality platform for data scientists and that the, the side of data acquisition would be just the first step or the first building block. So what are the other pain points? For that, we started some data scientist interviews. So it was not with a specific commercial focus, but it was rather more with the focus to know our own community, our own users. And we start making a list of what are the main pain points and issues in the process of doing data preparation. And that's how we have started to design the first requirements or the first elements of our product roadmap. I hear you saying we. Tell me about how you went about or how you're going about building your team. I know you have a co-founder and there's probably some other folks who are contributing. Tell me about how you go about that and what do you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? That's a part of building a company that I still consider one of the hardest and at the same time, one of the most interesting, right? Of course, this was a lot of trial and error and learn how to pick the best persons. But one of the things is definitely how people resonate with your vision and your focus and your passion. And personally, I do think it's very important. So we are a small company. We are around 20 people. We are still like a family. And in order for each and everyone be really invested on what you are building, passion needs to be there. And for me, that's one of the first elements I search for or a trait that I search for. I would say the other one, and that is mainly because we are a remote company, is ownership. So someone that is very comfortable in navigating unknown waters, that mindset of people that like hard problems to solve, that I would say it's the second trait I look up the most. But not always is easy to identify for sure. So far, I have identified that those are really crucial if you want to have a solid team. Hello, welcome to the Data Analytics Club. Do you know the password? No, I didn't know there was one. Do you know how to code? Uh, no. Do you know how to query data? Like, ask a question? I guess not. Hmm, I see. Then you can't be in this club. Sorry, goodbye. Don't be left out of the analytics club. ClearQuery is the analytics for humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. ClearQuery provides you with the information you need without requiring you to do the heavy lifting. Their Ask ClearQuery feature allows you to ask questions in plain English, helping you find relationships and connections in your data that may have previously gone unnoticed. You can even visualize your data with presentation mode, taking your data storytelling to the next level. Pricing is based on storage, not licenses, and that ensures that you get the most bang for your buck. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify data analytics, your data analytics, with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash codestory. This episode is sponsored by Cashfly. The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where Cashfly comes in. Cashfly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. 
For over 20 years, Cashfly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only Cashfly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at cashfly.com slash codestory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash codestory. Let's flip to scalability, and this will be interesting. Was Ydata built to scale efficiently from day one, or is this something that you're having to fight as you grow and gain traction? I guess on the product side, because we are serving enterprises, we always had that concern of scale from day one. But that concern of scale from day one also brings challenges, especially because when you are a small company, it means you have less people dedicated to and the technologies and methods needed in order to ensure scale also bring complexity to development. That was something I had to learn through the course, and I definitely would have made some decisions differently. But on the bright side, nowadays, we have a good mindset around scalability and supporting high volumes or big enterprises using the product with a lot of concurrent users and heavy flows. In terms of the organization itself, I wouldn't say that we thought about it as scalable from day one. And I I guess we are still navigating the pains or challenges of growing the company or our own organization. Let's say from 10 to 20, it's one challenge. From 20 to more, it's another. And we are still at that stage that we are adapting for the size that we have today, adapting some processes, adapting the way we have the management done. So definitely we were not thought as an organization to scale from day one. So we are adapting as we go. Okay, Fabiana, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? In the first place, I would say that I'm really proud of having started the company. So it's always a leap of faith for you to start and to embrace the journey. Before starting, you already know it will be hard. It's about accepting that it will be hard and it won't be success every time. So I would say I'm proud about having embraced that and being happy of having embraced it. And of course, I'm also very proud of the team we have built so far. I do think we have great minds around the, in the company, people with whom I love to work with, and I know how hard that can be, so definitely I'm super proud of that. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. To be honest, there, there were so many throughout time. It was definitely around how we split it, technical teams. So we had this clear division between engineering and data science, even though both teams are working for the same product. And that led to, I, I would say, to led to longer processes and longer developments just because the team, both teams were not talking, so integration was hard. And that was a decision 
that I've made in the beginning because I really felt like they don't need to be so that well or communicating that often because things are very different. One works more in the process of doing some research or the other works more on the productization. So perhaps that there is no not much overlap and that have, have shown to be a, not a great decision that led to, to delays in the development and that there was the need to rearrange the teams and reorganize the teams in order to have both of them collaborating almost in real time. And I, I guess that it was hard for the teams to adapt to that new reality. They were not used to. So in the beginning, there was a lot of, okay, I don't know if this is really the best option, but now they have adapted. There's another one that I just uh, recalled. I have moved to the States. I have decided that because part of the team is in Europe, I have decided to not have many synchronous moments with the team. And I have left the both leads organizing themselves without me and I would just asynchronously align very quickly. I really trusted the members of the team, so they are quite good. We thought that would be a good choice. It would be easier for both founders as we we had so many hours of difference and for the teams that would be as, as well comfortable because they would not need to match our schedule. It turned out to be a, a very bad decision just because, well, as founders uh, and myself, as someone that is highly dedicated to product, we are the ones that not only give the vision, but also define roadmap and define very well the priorities. And without the synchronous communication or having that very thoughtful alignment and being there with them led to misalignments in terms of vision at the level of the product. The teams, they did not understood it was that, the, that led to the fact that there was I was less synchronous with them that led to that. But they started complaining about, okay, this was not clear to me. I need more support on the prioritizations. So there, there was a, the, an adjustment needed and it that definitely was one of the biggest errors to, to think that time difference would not be that much of a challenge and that just because they are very good technically does not mean that product-wise an alignment is not needed. I guess it was an interesting learning. Well, this will be fun to ask, and it's always fun to hear the founder's passion here. So tell me what the future looks like for Data, the product, and for your team. I always like to think uh, as a Data and the product as the product for data scientists to do the data preparation. So if anyone thinks I need to process my data set, I need to ensure the data quality, uh, why data is the tool that I want to use. And this is the solution that I want to go. I just recall how much Databricks is that tool for data engineering. And I really want to be that inspirational framework that everyone really wants to use and regardless if you are just starting or you are a person with a lot of experience to be the cool framework for the developers. And that's what we aim for. I believe that's where I want to see white data and the product in a few years. And in terms of team, definitely, I would like to see our team growing a lot, especially I'm a big fan 
of remote work. And I do think it would be really nice to prove that you can scale, you can be a developer tool, you can have uh, a lot of different cultures and still be a great company and delivering a, a great product, just like a GitLab once did. Let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. There are several persons, and of course, we have always the, the influence from the family, but it wouldn't be fair to not mention that my dad influenced me a lot. He always was that person that was by my side, pushing me to do things that I never thought I would be able to. For example, he was the one that kind of influenced me to go to applied mathematics and study mathematics. And also he is the one that is really uh, bullish on being an entrepreneur and being that person that is building his own business. And also the way he, he sees things and the way he's, he does decisions. I, from time to time, I do resemble myself being the same way as it was with me when I was a kid doing decisions. So it's fun to see how much I'm still influenced by my father. And the other person is my husband. He was always my biggest supporter. And if we want to talk about pushing the boundaries and going outside of the comfort zone, I would say he is that person. So it's it's very easy for you to accommodate or think or liking to be comfortable in doing the things that you are already good at. And he is very good uh, at pushing me outside of, of what I feel comfortable doing every day. So those two, I would say. So we talked about a mistake. This is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Where would you consider taking a different approach? And it doesn't have to be something that didn't work. Could it could have even worked well, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit. One thing that everyone tells us constantly is to fail fast. Meaning, okay, you go, you invest on something, and you understand that it's not working. Just move on, go for the next thing. And that actually is something very hard to do. And I do know that in the past, we have done several things that did not follow this advice, right? That specific feature that you decided to develop to answer a specific request from a specific potential customer that never converted, but you, it like costed you one month or two from your roadmap, but you were so bullish on okay, this will work, this will certain work. You had all the signs that perhaps you should not invest much. We have all done that and definitely I would change some of those decisions. Doing a different approach in terms of prioritization, selection, and exactly failing fast. If by X time is not yet working or you have not yet converted that you expected, then manage your expectations and manage your efforts so it does not cost you in terms of other, other things that you also have to take care of. Fabiana, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? Product is the easiest thing that you can build, though it's a big effort. It's the easiest thing that you can achieve while an, as an entrepreneur. 
you should really invest in people, team, get selection of who will join this journey with you because they will make the difference. And that's the hardest part of building a company is how can you create your own culture? How can you make everyone feel part of the same family and really invest on that? I do think it has a lot of payoff later on in the journey. And many times we we overlook it. It's easy to overlook because you have so many things at the same time. It's customers, it's investors, it's roadmap. All of that usually take a lot of attention from what you are building inside, but you should never overlook that. Well, that's fantastic advice. Well, Fabiana, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Why Data. Thank you so much, Noah. I really enjoyed it. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. <laughs>